it ties back into what are we spending our time on? What are our priorities? Does it fall into the three, four important buckets of our day, right? Where is this part of the stool leg that is family? Is it professional work growth space? Or is it my athletic self? Which is it? If it's not into one of those three, or maybe community is a fourth one and so forth. If it's not in those three or four, what am I doing? Am I really willing to spend my time here? Because the other three or four demand so much of my time or demand so much of my attention and thought and emotion and focus that what am I doing here? Now, of course, there's downtime in between and such, but there is plenty of efficiency to be found in our day. Usually I write out what I'm going to say here on the intro of the podcast. But this week I saw a really nice advertisement for running. It goes something like this. Running is a vehicle for discovery. Every day, good or bad, cold or clear, we venture out in hopes of uncovering something new. Sometimes those discoveries are small. A nod from a neighbor, a changing leaf on our favorite tree, a better route for warming up to the track. And sometimes they're monumental. Unexpected strength on a hill repeat, a breakthrough workout, a horizon-changing sunset. These moments of magic, big and small, are runners' best-kept secret. We try to explain them to lay people, but until you're the one experiencing the heady mix of endorphins and exhaustion, that magic will remain elusive. As it should be, you have to work for it. I hope that after listening to this podcast that you will be inspired to say yes and commit to your own adventure. Being on the edge where you're pushing yourself is where you're growing the most as a human. When you do it enough, you really start to see the benefit. Hi everybody and welcome to the Weekly Word Podcast. I'm Chris Hout, AIM Coach, and this is episode 169. The Weekly Word Podcast, a podcast about endurance and the pursuit of potential unleashing the endurance athlete that lives within all of us and the potential that comes with it. This week, we dive into the athlete mission statement. It's a longer discussion about the priorities we're looking to set for ourselves as we venture into these ultra endurance and endurance experiences. Who do we want to be? What parameters are we going to set for ourselves as we approach this journey? Who do we want to include in this journey? And who do we want to be when we're finished with the journey? Meaning when we get to the finish line of our endurance endeavor. I think you will find this episode helpful just on different things to think about that aren't usually discussed when we talk endurance training and signing up for events. These are the aspects that often go unnoticed on our journey. I think you'll find the athlete mission statement is a good, helpful tool, thought process, inspiration to consider as you're thinking about your 2022 season. Let's introduce the athlete mission statement. And that is what many listeners also heard on the previous podcast with the train cast is this athlete mission statement that I speak of is sort of a framework to start a conversation with ourselves and with those around us in the infrastructure of our endurance life 
in order to sort of put some parameters on who it is we want to be. We're back to that question. And quite honestly, that question is going to come up a lot. Who we want to be is a defining question that, in my opinion, and the more I'm working with multiple clients on mindset, whether that's executives, whether that's um, athletes, whether that's operators, um, law enforcement, it all comes down to the same thing. And that is always this question, who do you want to be? And I think the athlete mission statement contributes to that overall picture. Now, David, you saw an email and how I communicate with my athletes around this, who do you want to be question, because it's not really as simple as just answering, who do I want to be as an athlete? Um, because if you're doing the exercise correctly, then the who do you want to be has to integrate with the other versions of ourselves. Otherwise, it's a facade. You can't be somebody you are in your athletic self, but then be somebody with different values as a father, as a husband, as a working professional, as the many roles we play in our day. And so, the question around who do you want to be is a deeper question. It's, it ties into and is as deep as the deeper why. Why am I doing this? Who do I want to be in some future time frame? It, it is sort of at the essence of what potential can be and how we look to move forward. And there isn't necessarily an integration into all those parts of us that need to line up because that's impossible. We can't have them all shooting towards exactly the same objective. But when we talk about values and aligning with our own personal values, that's a North Star. That's purpose. That's why. And when we're talking in that space, absolutely the father self, the parent self, the husband self, the athlete self, the working professional self, the mentor self, the friend self, all can be pointing towards a North Star, towards values that guide us, that align with our beliefs. And this is where it gets tricky. Those beliefs are where we're at the core of what we might need to change. And that's a controversial thought at first, but beliefs are a narrative we hold to be true. It doesn't mean it's really true. And so this who do you want to be goes into the past. It goes into the future. It ties into everything we believe in. And that email you saw the other day, David, described also the exercise in that. And that is, this isn't something that you just sit down and come up with in an hour. It's a constant exercise in your day that you see, huh, that's important to me. That's meaningful to me. That's something I care about. That's something that works me up. That right there then is part of your values and your beliefs. And we want to capture those. And the more we know those and the more we're aligned with them and can recognize them in our day-to-day, -day, the more we can start pointing them and aligning with them with regards to a North Star and then figuring out who we want to be. And with that comes many steps, but pulling this back to the athlete mission statement, it's who we want to be aligned with our values as an athlete. Because this endurance arena that we're in can get very messy. The goalposts are constantly shifting. We see improvement. We want to dedicate more time. Um, the training hours get bigger. 
And so let's throw a real pretty bow around it. An athlete mission statement can help you identify your values as an athlete and goals, defining what matters most to you athletically. So like I just teed up, we have many different versions of ourselves, but now the athlete mission statement, there can also be a parent mission statement, there can be a husband mission statement, there can be a professional working person, you know, individual personalized statement, all those things. But we're talking about the athlete mission statement today and around that also, it's a great exercise to maybe apply in other areas. It makes decision-making easier as well as it clarifies whether the decisions you're making are in alignment with what you want for your athletic self, for that future version of you, of who you want to be to come to fruition. That's the fancy wording around the athlete mission statement. An important component here is many would ask, well, why do this? It's like I said, it makes decision-making easier because you now have guardrails and values wrapped around where, which direction you're heading. And therefore, when things come up that compromise that mission statement, those de de definitions of your values, you know what to say no to. You know how to push back on your coach. You know why you can't push that workout back until you know noon on Saturday because that interferes with many of your values that you define with regards to being a parent for your kids on the weekend. <laughs> and now there is no um, decision-making on whether to get up at six or not. You have to in order to get that long ride in or that long run in. So that's just a real easy black and white example on why this statement is of such importance and value when you sort of have it memorized or can just sort of trigger it in front of you. Does this align with my values? Having to think really hard, that cognitive effort, that lift, those extra cycles, being able to eliminate those with very clear guardrails. Mm -hmm. That makes doing this exercise so incredibly worth it, right? Like this isn't just clarity. This is giving you time and energy back to accomplish more of what you care about, less of what you don't care about, and use less energy to do it. That as well as what we've talked about, it's a significant time and effort to create, but when finished, it provides a substantial payoff because you're spending your time in the proper buckets in order to be more efficient with the limited training time, limited athlete time that you have, right? And so it is critical. And it's also, as I was talking about on the CoachCast, it gives me or gives the coach an insight on who you want to be, what's important to you. It right away brings us to the core of why you're doing this and what you're not willing to compromise. And like I was saying on that coach cast too, who do you want to be when you're done with this? When you cross the finish line of that event, who do you want to be there? Do you want to be someone that everybody's like, thank God it's over. Um, check the box. Let's move on with our life because the last six months we didn't have a parent. Or is there going to be a supportive, fun, meaningful team waiting for you, happy for you, excited for you. All that gets captured in that mission statement in the beginning as we start working together, athlete and coach, because I, I right away know what is of importance to you and how do we navigate this journey better in order for you to have that finish line experience that you're 
you described in that exercise of what does that finish line look like when you close your eyes and you're done. And this is not something for somebody who's brand new to, let's say, their first Ironman. They don't know what the training is like to go through this or their first 100 miler or something like that. So therefore, they, they can't yet project um, what kind of a toll it might play on the family infrastructure and the work infrastructure, the three-legged stool. But that being said, it's still a helpful exercise because of the thoughts and the processes and the triggers that you're trying to stimulate in order to sort of see what is of value to you. Would you still want to request this even of your true beginner beginners? Um, partially because it is a good thought process and many athletes like to go through this uh, for uh, in big picture terms as well with regards to family and their work life. But again, with my beginner, beginner athletes, they don't know yet what they don't know. And so it's hard to have this deeper conversation around you know, future version of themselves and who do you want to be and um, how to maximize the limited training time we have and the three-legged stool that comes via trust and relationship that we're having these conversations. And that has nothing to do as much with experience as it just is newer athletes with me. But over time, because these conversations keep coming up or these emails keep getting written, there is, I would say, for the majority, definitely more than half of the athletes that sort of lean into this conversation. Again, these decision-making guardrails to decipher how you spend your time can be equally important for a beginner because you can right away maximize that limited time versus futz around watching Netflix for six hours when you realize Huh, this doesn't really fit into the athlete version of myself I want to be. And therefore, now I'm falling back on the training. I'm falling behind on this and recovery and sleep and so forth. And again, we're not in a space that we take everything so seriously. This is more important with regards less about the performance than it is about the relationships in this journey and how you want to maintain that positive momentum and that support throughout this journey. Because again, keep in mind, what we, you and I are trying to do is make this a lifestyle. Make this something that people choose to do. They love the endurance lifestyle because of the things it brings out within them. Whether it's energy, whether it's a spiritual side, whether it's inner growth, whether it's transformation, whether it's health and fitness, whether it's a curiosity to go along, all those things. However, we can continue to support that to be successful in transitioning the athlete to becoming an endurance lifestyle athlete so that they want to be on the journey. It's not just to achieve a checkbox of, hey, I did a marathon. Hey, I did an Ironman. Hey, I did my first 50 miler. That's not the game we're in. The game we're in is to help as many athletes as possible to see what the endurance lifestyle can bring, a, bring about, right? Helping athletes around the world reach their endurance potential. That's my mission statement for my business. And that endurance potential is defined in many ways, and that's where it sort of drops into subcategories. But when you recognize and feel your endurance potential, 
we are talking a fully different blossoming of your own self and values and growth and insights and energy that flows in a completely different way once you sort of tapped into that. What is your athlete mission statement, Chris? I don't have one. What? That's pretty simple. Well, because I'm not, again, I'm not preparing for a finish line at any point in time currently. But then- but do you need a finish line? Um, yes, of course you need a finish line. Otherwise, because I'm just living the lifestyle right now. I don't have an mm -hmm. event I'm getting ready for. I don't have outcomes that I'm looking to achieve. I'm not looking for a result or anything. I am merely participating in this sport called endurance adventures. But I don't have one because it's currently just a lifestyle for me that I partake in every day. And therefore, it's not running up against any barriers or do I need guardrails because I'm not doing enough currently that it is compromising anything in any way. This is an important nuance that I think we should get into. I was taking notes as you were introducing all this you know, purpose, values that align with beliefs, beliefs leading to narrative or being tied to narrative and connecting the past and the future and attaching this to goals or relating it to goals. And the fact that it makes a decision making easier, it informs what to say no to in a very clear way. And who do you want to be when the event is over? The way I interpreted all that was event independent. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, okay, cool. Like I want to write an athlete mission statement for myself. This is super important. I can see this being very useful. Yeah. One, I don't know how many hours a week you're training. I'm training 18 a week right now. And so that does cut into everything. And two, you know, my event, I'm tapering. Like it's going to be over. And then I don't have an event for a long time. So I interpreted all of this as not really relating to an event at all, but being maybe it's maybe the the reason you don't have one is because it's just so automatic. I was just going to say the same thing. Like for me, I live this already. And I am constantly, like we said on the last podcast, there's not a day that goes by where I am not thinking about who I want to be, as well as how this aligns with my values and why something came up. And is there something more I need to explore there? And how does this relate to me in the future? And this conversation, this inner conversation is second nature to me in the meantime. They used to not me. Don't get me wrong. It took yeah, many years Emily of told growth. Me. <laughs> yes, it took many years of growth to get here, and very focused. I mean, I can't read a book. I can't listen to a book without sitting there and just analyzing every single sentence. Well, you know what I mean. I'm probably exaggerating, but most sentences, no. You send me every like, single sentence in text that I'm like, oh wow, <laughs> this is a yeah. very detailed reading of the book. So that's why it's it's harder for me to describe this, but I just see the value of an athlete mission statement for others that don't have time like I do to go through all this as a important document, as an important uh, sentence or two to pull back on. It ties back into what are we spending our time on? What are our priorities? Does it fall into the three, four important buckets of our day, right? Where is this part of the stool leg that is family? Is it professional work growth, 
space or is it my athletic self? Which is it? If it's not into one of those three, or maybe community is a fourth one and so forth. If it's not in those three or four, what am I doing? Am I really willing to spend my time here? Because the other three or four demand so much of my time or demand so much of my attention and thought and emotion and focus that what am I doing here? Now, of course, there's downtime in between and such, but there is plenty of efficiency to be found in our day. And what we've also discussed on the podcast on how, you know, I would love to shadow people who struggled with this for a week and get a sense of where the inefficiencies are because I'm fully, fully of the belief that if it doesn't fit into our priorities, what we designate as a priority, part of the athlete mission statement, then we should be making a conscious choice to be wasting our time or to not maybe it's not necessarily a waste of time, but that we're spending our time and energy in something that isn't what we clarified of the highest priority. If we're choosing this as our priority, are we applying our energy and our time to that? And back to moving the goalposts. If we keep throwing things in there that we're saying, oh no, this is really important. Oh no, I'm justifying that this, you know, three hours of Netflix on the couch is of importance for recovery. No, not really. Sleep is a recovery. Eating well is recovery. Social interaction is a recovery. Things like that. So many thoughts. One about you and your athlete mission statement is Eckhart Tolle has this beautiful concept that, you know, you need words to communicate ideas, but once you truly understand the meaning, you don't need the words anymore. And I would say that that defines you in this context. It's very obvious working with you that this stuff is just part of you. So that's cool. It would have been really cool to be a fly on the wall when uh, Emily first met you because she's like, yeah, this is new. (laughs) So 10 years ago, this was not every every day for you, which is beautiful, right? Because to someone like me who's trying to make progress in this department, it's really damaging to imagine that people are just born being all sorted. And it's really helpful to see that, no, it's a journey. You go through it and then you pop out the other side if you're lucky or if you do the work. Deciding what to do with your time is equally as important as deciding what not to do with your time. And that again ties into those priorities and how that athlete mission statement can line up. Because if it's correct, it'll quickly identify it. So some examples, to use my athletic skills to inspire and educate others around the world to be healthier. Is what I'm doing fulfilling that? To be a healthy and fit father to my family, live a balanced life and make a difference. That could be a mission statement. To be a teacher and inspire my athletes to be the best version of themselves. That could be my mission statement. These are some examples as I was going through this exercise to write it out for myself. To inspire and encourage everyone I interact with on a daily basis to be healthier or to embrace their endurance potential. To inspire change through coaching. Short sentences but that really capture the essence of what it is your values are. Again, it can't be too specific. Otherwise, it's not a mission statement. Then it's an objective. To improve the quality of life of my athletes. To pursue lifelong learning and inspire others to do the same. These are all just simple mission statements. 
Uh, one might imagine that doing their own athlete mission statement exercise and writing down things that resonate emotionally to them is true and powerful. I'm realizing that would just be step one of the journey because now you are very visibly confronting all of the things we just talked about, the the time that's wasted during the day. And someone who's going to do this exercise, if they're really going to get value out of it, I imagine they're signing up for a lot of uncomfortable moments with themselves. Yeah. But that's the whole point. And that's the whole point with this endurance lifestyle aspect. And many of these episodes of these 168 weekly word podcasts talk about that. And that is that the time we spend out there can be very meaningful, powerful time because it allows for that self-reflection. It allows for that time to think, to hear the inner voice, to wonder about who we are and how we're contributing, what it is that we're trying to achieve. Who do I want to be? Like if that's the question that I can get anybody doing endurance training today as they're listening to this, just ask themselves that and sit with that question for a little bit. That, that I think is very, very powerful. And quite honestly, with many of the mindset athletes and clients I work with, that's the question we start with. Because once you can define or at least capture in some way who you want to be, really, truly who you want to be. Now we have something to work with because you have talked to me and explained and verbalized out loud how you see yourself in the world and what potential you believe has yet to be unlocked or come to fruition. That's what this is. Who do you want to be? It's not who you were. It's who do you want to be? And it creates the pursuit, that curiosity of who I can become. And yes, that's what a lot of the endurance athletes that we work with, but that we also talk to, that's what we want. That's why, that's the premise of our coaching. It's not training plans, <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it's this, it's this conversation. Because the person who kicks out of that, I believe, gains so many tools and knowledge about themselves and how they interact with themselves in the world, that's powerful. And that creates an impact and that makes a difference. And as you and I have said quite often, it's not only through endurance adventures and experiences that you can achieve this. You know, there's meditation and psychedelics and, you know, different flow states, whether it's in music and art and surfing or whatever. But I believe that endurance adventures and experiences and events and the training with it also is an avenue for this. And so back to that mission statement of mine, and it's constantly changing. That's the other part of this exercise. It is never done. What I said there was like a year and a half ago, helping athletes around the world reach their endurance potential. And as you know, David, now it's now more about unlocking human potential through endurance experiences. So that evolved right? From helping athletes around the world reach their endurance per potential to unlocking human potential 
through endurance experiences. I, I flipped it. It's the potential of us as a human being, that integration of all of it, that can happen via endurance experiences. The strength and the courage needed to face an exercise like this of clarity of a major chunk of who you are as a person, what you do, comes from actually doing the training. Would you say that that's correct? Say that again. Does the fact that as a practicing endurance athlete, you're showing up and developing that proverbial muscle of going into your body, having a routine, following through on a practice, exploring, is that the secret sauce that helps one follow through on this exercise? Yes. The first part of your question gets answered. Yes. It's creating challenging situations that you put yourself in, whether it's on a daily basis, maybe not all the training's challenging, but on a weekly basis that you build that muscle for sure. Resilience. We play many roles. We have many, many stories in us. And um, who we are today is an accumulation of so many different narratives and experiences, traumas and positive experiences that all culminate into who we are right now at this moment. That's creating our perspective, the lens at which we see the world through, right? And so... Again, endurance experiences allow the time daily. A three, four hour run gives you time to sort of sit with that and realize that and appreciate that and analyze that and accept that and be gracious with that and be forgiving with that because there's a lot going on there and that's totally fine. It's what shaped us. It is what it truly is. But now we're sitting in the present moment and what do we do with it? That's who we are right now. All those past experiences, all those roles we play, um, all those different identities that have been shaped within us, that's all up till now. But who do I want to be? How do I take those experiences, those traumas, those stories, that narrative, the positives, the negatives, the protective states of myself, the, the overjoyous childlike state of myself. How do I take all that, that big ball of energy, positive or negative, dark or light, and craft my path forward to who I want to be? How do I take that? And that's what endurance, again, that's the time three, four, five hours on a bike, two, three, four, hour, five hours running, um, one, two, three hours swimming, you know, staring at the darkness, whatever it is, and you feel it. That's the crazy thing is our body feels it when that inner voice was heard or is saying something. It feels it throughout. And I think because we're in those situations in endurance experiences and adventures and in training, that portal has a bigger window to be open to capture it again and, and again and again and again like i've said before it could be only five minutes of that two-hour run that's fine 
But over time, and as we sit with it, and as we confront it, and as we listen to it, and as we work with it, again, so much is suppressed. And we don't want to suppress. We want to hear it. We want to build a relationship with those past experiences, with those past stories, to understand ourselves better in order to be better going forward. I know myself better, therefore I can become who I want to be because I can work with my past self. I can work with my past um, failures and emotional uh, valleys I went through or trauma. I'm not saying everybody has trauma, but many of us do. And working with that and understanding that and accepting that and forgiving ourselves for that. And again, all this is just a bigger pile to stand on to launch forward into a better version of ourselves in the future. I mean, you even a huge pile of shit you can jump off of and launch from. And that's something we can't forget. Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought the humanity and the, the kindness, the compassion, the self-compassion into it. Yeah, and it, it, it all ties into, again, who do we want to be? And in order to understand who we want to be, we have to understand who we currently are. And that comes with a lot of history to it, right? And we've talked about this on the podcast. In order to do something you've never done before, you need to become someone you've never been, right? You, And so in confronting that on our journey to do our first 100 miler, well, we have to become someone we've never been, <laughs> a person who runs 100 miles, <laughs> right? But let's use that in all aspects of the integrated self. Physically, we're getting ready for it mentally we're getting ready for it well that spiritually is coming along for the ride either way let's spend some time with that too would you say that you can choose to do something that is outside of your current realm of capability in order to catalyze change yeah that's a lot of us have an opportunity to create an alter ego as an athlete somebody we're completely not Ooh. when we go from clark kent to superman where we can test out who we want to be, where we can live out those versions we want to be, where we can be somebody we are completely not in our day-to-day -day life. That's an alter ego. And only human beings on this planet have the ability to do that. No other creature can do that. Create a whole different persona. And I'm talking about the real world, not our AI or, or in the metaverse. I'm talking about we have the power to create this completely different identity, the athlete version of us. Or, I mean, of course, there's other ways to do this with regards to the chess player version of us or the artist in us or the musician in us. But the athlete one allows you just go through all these steps and to be everything that you are uncertain of. And yes, you choose a big, audacious, scary goal and say, you know what? When I switch from street clothes to workout clothes, I also switch identities. I switch everything that I know about myself because I'm crafting this one from scratch. How great is that? Absolutely. This is a huge component for a lot of um, PTSD work, addiction work, trauma work, that you can craft this alter ego, that you can craft this new identity from scratch, because again, you get to choose something completely new. I want to validate that with examples that are very fresh. I was on a call this morning with one of our athletes 
And uh, it became very clear that he was a different person than when he joined us. And it was very clear that the 6660, those three days, were it. He completely was saying in his own words exactly what you've been describing about what the ultra endurance lifestyle experience training can offer mentally, psychologically, interpersonally. And that was not there before. The curiosity and the interest was there. And I think that probably had to be there. But he was looking for something. He didn't know what it was. And he found it in taking on something that was completely bananas over and above his current fitness level. He sounds like somebody who's willing to sit with it too. And what I mean by that is opening your mind and see what happens. So how does one actually create their athlete mission statement? So the first thing you do is write down what's most important to you on this athlete journey. So we start by considering who you are and who you want to be. Write down what's most important to you and what you're most passionate about as it relates to your athlete self. Consider what or who you most value and how your life is connected to those people or things. Many of my athletes recognize this because in their introductory email that they get from me, if we're even going to work together, the ability to be vulnerable, the ability to open up and consider this and think about this. And what I'm keep reminding us of is that this is dynamic. This first bullet point of what was important to me and who I was and who I want to be was different five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago than it is today. So it's, it's, a, it's a constantly evolving practice and version of us. All right. We've got step one. We know what's important. We know what we're passionate about in an athletic context. So step two, take some time to reflect and write down your athletic goals. Truly objectives. It's fine. Not desired outcomes, but truly goals. What I talk about with black and white, what it is I want to achieve. Success and failure, right? Articulate your most important goals. But within that, as you're writing that down, ask yourself what the best version of your life looks like in achieving those goals, including your relationships, your achievements, your professional life, right? So what does that best version look like of your life when you are in the process of crossing that finish line, what we talked about? That three-legged stool, is it in balance? Is one longer than the other? What is important to you when you cross that finish line, achieve that goal, how does that three-legged stool look? So some questions around that are like, what qualities would you like others to attribute to you as an athlete? Like when they're describing you and how you were on this journey and how you achieved your goal, yeah, but man, he was a real a-hole while he was doing this. Do you want that? <laughs> or do you know, like you want it to be like, I didn't even realize he was doing it. He must have been working in hours that I didn't even recognize a change in him because he was just so low-key about it. Others might be like, man, it was amazing to watch him in his training and get it all done and the athletic feats he accomplished in his training. 
So there's many ways to describe this. Other questions would be like, where would you like to be as an athlete? So for example, do you have a specific result in mind? Have you already achieved results along those lines? And so therefore, are you stretching yourself enough? Are you making it difficult enough that it does challenge you? Otherwise, it's easy to stick with the athlete mission state. What would you like to achieve on this athlete journey? Meaning, yeah, you have a goal, but why? Why is this so important to you? Because that will help define what that best version of your life looks like. Two, articulate your most important goals. Yeah, articulating what the goals are, but also then articulating why. Yeah, but we're talking about it. Ask yourself the best version of your life looks like, including achieving those goals, but also the relationships and um, friendships and social networks around that. So that's why the why is important. Because if it's a very self-motivated goal, eh. Whereas if it if you know that who you are going to be on the other side of this is going to be of positive influence on your family, on your children, on your energy levels, on your creativity, on your um, resilience, on your appreciation, your understanding, your patience, your perspective, so many things that kick up with this, well then if you articulate that as a desired outcome for who you want to be, what would you like to achieve on this athlete journey? Again, you're going to capture that more in your mission statement in order to then be sure that the decisions you're making on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, align with that outcome. Am I doing this out of selfish interests or am I seeing that I am actually growing, that I am more supportive, that I am doing things in a more meaningful way? Am I giving energy back to others because I'm um, fulfilling or filling my own passion bucket with energy? Things like that. That's massively deep, the why being attached to the social outcomes, the personality, the character outcomes. I guess you would call that, that's the juice, that's the fuel. That's a, a massive pull towards this. Yeah. It includes so many more in your journey because they're going to benefit from it. They are going to see the better version of you. And that's that finish line discussion. When you close your eyes, are people excited for you because they also can feel the positive, supportive, joyful energy from you? Or has it been a drain? <laughs> Have you pulled it from them? <laughs> Which happens. Don't get me wrong. I've been there. I've been the guy sucking energy out of my support network, out of the people that care for me, support me, and love me. I've been there in, in a driven fashion to just get as I got to get this done no matter what. So what do you do then? So then you run this by your peers and friends and support network and coaches. Talk to them and what they would consider to be your strengths. Think about what makes you exceptional compared to others who have a similar skill set, discipline, grit, perseverance. Consider how you want people to describe you. This is back to that exercise. Write down a few words that you want to come to someone's mind when they think of you. 
because now that interplay of back and forth that others benefit of that as well, as well as see the, the, the strength of your, your qualities that you bring to the world, that's what you want to connect to because then it's aligned with your values and then it's easier to maintain the momentum and the training and the sacrifice that you're making. How does that then connect to your athlete version? Because they have to be in alignment. This is back to what I was talking about earlier, who you want to be. It can't be different than who you are as a parent or who you as a, are as a you know, leader of your company. That North Star, those values need to be quite similar. Otherwise, the dark side will come to play. It always comes up, especially in the endurance world. Because that's the one that we think is just us and our guard drops. Our protective mode drops. At work, we're very calculated and we're very attentive to how we're coming across to others because we're leaders or we have coworkers or we have mentors or and so forth. Yet the athlete self is just us. We think we're okay. We think we can just, it, not, no, nothing gets noticed. But your coach notices. We notice, we can definitely see people's character traits and values and how they do one thing is how they do everything come out in their training, in their consistency, in their approach to that version of themselves. Because you can't be different. You can't deny it. Yeah, how you do one thing is how you do everything. I know it's a cliche, but also with you, it's not because it's scary. That is true. <laughs> Uncomfortably true. I think that's one of the first things you actually taught me when I started working with you was if you see a pattern in their training peaks, you better believe that they're doing this in every other area of their life. Even if they're outwardly very successful, this is still happening behind the scenes. Yep. We want this to be important because you want to remain in alignment with your values in all versions of yourself, what we were just saying. Your strengths and what makes you exceptional should be consistent in all your versions. Yeah, thoughts, words, and actions all being aligned. Yeah. And many think that being aligned is meaning that they're perfectly aligned, meaning they're lockstep and key in, in a nice little, perfect little row pointing in the same direction. No, but at least they're all looking in the same direction. That's the North Star that I keep talking about. There's many paths to it, but we're all aligned with regards to we want to get there. We collaborate. That's more like it. All the versions of ourselves should collaborate with each other towards the North Star because there's strengths and weaknesses in each one of our versions of ourselves, each one of the roles we play, each one of the parts of ourselves. And if, there are, if they're working together and understanding each other and working off each other, the overall version of you is going to be pretty awesome. And then lastly, what I call the legacy you want to leave, the memories of being the athlete you had envisioned you could be. So the athlete legacy of yours, those are the memories of being the athlete you had envisioned you could be. And we talk about this on the podcast here a lot, and I'm a big proponent of this, and this is why I write this. When I look back, when we cross that finish line, but also when we look back many years from now and go, am I proud of the version I was, that athletic self? Did I put it all out there? Did I give it my current 
best? Did I really put forth the athlete version I envisioned I could be? That's potential again. I believe that this is what I can be. Am I playing it out? Did I do my best? Because in many years from now, I want to be able to look back and go, yeah, yeah. Could I have done more? Maybe, but I did the best I could at that time. And that's just the way my life was going at the time. And so therefore, I have to accept that. I didn't have all the time in the world, or I came to this sport when I was 40 instead of 18, or all those different aspects. But the athlete version you envisioned you could be, potential. Did I leave it all out there? Did I try to unlock that potential? Do you feel like you in your triathlon career? Yes. Okay. Yes. So you're yes. at peace with how things are. I am very much at peace. That's why I no longer compete Yeah. in triathlon. I'm very much at peace. I don't need to go there. Now, I'm curious to do it again. Because the crazy qualities of this endurance sport and this lifestyle also create this um, pull, this uh, addiction almost to it, right? Because I want to feel that again. But I also go through the exercise of, well, what is it, Chris, that you want to experience again? Is it the sense of fitness and the competitiveness and being on top? self-driven ego or is it the the growth and the learning and being in it and just suffering and working hard and so forth i don't know i haven't had to have that um, hard conversation with myself because i have no interest to do triathlon right now but it will come i'm sure i will do an ironman again in my life and that question are you doing patagonia no, that was supposed to be like next month, but I ain't going anywhere. I'm not going to South America next week. Okay, that's fair. You're going to a different continent next week. That, yep. that was going to be my question. I think you pretty much answered it, which is since your last pro Ironman race, you've very clearly developed a tremendous amount as far as Oh, I don't know if it's very clearly. I didn't know you back then, but just hearing stories from your significant other, and she's very proud of you, uh, <laughs> that you know you have this new bag of tricks, you have this new perspective, you have this new life, right? You're a different person now. And I'm curious what this new person projects on that old sport, Ironman triathlon. It's a very tricky question because, again, it brings up very... Um, challenging narratives and that is um, the competitive driven self came from oftentimes to be described as darker you know stories a narrative that's what in many cases puts so many people into successful situations they're driven by this dark uh, force revenge anger self-portrayal of strength, many things, attention, um, I'll show you, uh, all those things. And so 
it is a part of my past for sure. And I'm not sure if I had all this uh, who I am now in me back then, if I could have achieved the same outcomes or more. I don't know. I, I, I can't compare the two. Um, you can't take a 52-year-old's knowledge and put it into a 24-year-old, let's say for swimming or 22-year-old. Or, you know, that's just unfortunately or fortunately, <laughs> we don't know that answer, not how it works. But I do have the comparison of uh, triathlon to swimming and then trail running to triathlon and swimming and then the endeavors now, whether swim run or adventures or multi-day stuff um, to trail running, triathlon and swimming. And each one of them was able to achieve, in my opinion, more quicker due to the understanding of self. The zigzag of life's path <laughs> was reduced greatly in each one of those endeavors. <laughs> the zigzag of swimming <laughs> was pretty erratic. The zigzag of triathlon was still, you know, if you bang your head enough against the walls on each side of the room, eventually you'll find the door. I don't think I ever found the door banging my head against every uh, surface of the room when I was ski racing. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and then, you know, in trail running, quick success and winning races was, you know, it, it was a culmination, obviously, of the years of triathlon fitness, but it also allowed me to sort of, again, spend that time instead of thinking about the outcome, but right away jumping into the journey. And that was the beauty of ultra running, why it's so meaningful and powerful to me to this day, and why I love running more than adding other endeavors into the menu items right now, like gravel biking or mountain biking. I just keep it to the three that I have because I love trail running so much. There's so much there in time and thought and reflection and audiobooks and podcasts and just moving yourself through nature, uh, driven by only your own power and hiking. And it's just, to me, it hits a very meaningful, powerful spot. And it ties into the um, experiences I have and had as a trail runner. I just enjoy them so very much. I had great mentors and legends in the sport and that immediately pushed me in the right direction and kept saying, you know what, go explore in that direction. You'll, you'll figure it out. We trust you. Wow. So we left off with the legacy exercise, yeah. the visualization. Yeah. And then you mentioned how, how do you do well, this? The question? Yeah. So the question is the mark you want to leave as an athlete. And so some questions on how to get that started is how specifically would you like to be perceived as an athlete, right? What we were saying before, these versions of ourselves, these different roles we play, these different narratives we have, well, how would you like that version, that role of ourselves, this, this alter ego of ourselves to be defined? How would you can craft it? It's your choice. This athlete self is just you. And we know in this world of social media, you can create whatever persona you want with enough pictures and texts below it. But how specifically would you like to be perceived as an athlete, given your current life? 
And what would you consider to be your purpose, right? How does that tie into your why, your deeper why? Because that also ties into how you would like to be remembered. I'm not saying that you're disappearing, but I'm saying when you, for yourself, look back, yes, I did it all in the old Frank Sinatra way, my way. Well, what does my way mean? I did it my way. Okay. Tell me more. What unique qualities, abilities, talents, or traits did help you thrive as an athlete? And how did they contribute? So that you, because we want you to, or we want you, I want myself <laughs> when looking at this mission statement to be proud of that when I look back. I want, and I want to capture that so that now I'm already doing that, what I know to be my strengths. What we're saying in number three, what are my, is it discipline? Is it grit? Is it perseverance? Is it resilience? The part you said in there about how specifically you want to be seen as an athlete, I wrote down in my notes here, or something else. I'm thinking back practically to the athlete I mentioned earlier who I spoke with this morning, that at no point did any athletic accomplishments or outcomes enter into the equation with the legacy that he's in the middle of crafting. He was purely interested in the psychological exploration aspect of that, which if you were to strip away all the athletics and put him in a meditation retreat for 10 days, we're not talking about a different thing here. And so is that valid to have a legacy, an athletic legacy that really wasn't about the sport, uh, that the sport was a vehicle to deliver some other outcome? As well as to help you discover that inner voice that whispers to you anyway. It was a vehicle to guide me back to my inner guidance, my inner voice. It was a vehicle to find the inner path. The best is in a situation where you can combine the outer landscape with the inner path and they infuse each other with meaning. When they're in harmony, now you're living that potential that I talk of. And it sounds to me that they're starting to get a sense of those two dancing in harmony. The point here isn't that this is this has to be the way to do it. It's just one of the many avenues that this endurance training and this journey can take you uh, down. And it's what appeals to me the most. Using endurance athletics as a vehicle to this conversation, to this potential. That's the fun part, right? Like we said earlier, unlocking that potential through the endurance experiences, um, unleashing the endurance athlete that lives within all of us, and therefore the potential that comes with it. That's what I love to discuss on this podcast. And as we talked about the other day, you and I, like this podcast being the, the pursuit of potential through endurance experiences. It just continues to just come back to that same statement. And I know a lot of people want to hear more training tips and insights and advice, but I guarantee you also that if you connect with this component of 
the training, the spiritual self, it'll make the physical part so much easier. Your ability to connect with yourself and just train effectively will become easier, lighter, and more efficient. You were talking about this earlier, this concept that you do not want your training to be a big deal for many reasons, psychologically, because it doesn't need to be something you stress about. It's biking, it's running. You're not uh, crafting the next American novel. Well, and to interrupt you there, sorry, but if it becomes too big of a deal, you're placing too much tension upon the focus, which will make the training less effective because your adaptation will be compromised because you're placing too much weight on it. Uh, we see this a lot in elite performers, world-class performers, Olympians and such. If this is the only thing they focus on, where they put so much weight into their decisions and actions every day with regards to training and validation of that training in regards to splits or wattages or time or sessions, it becomes exhausting to stay that on it all the time because a bad day really takes you down because it's the only thing you have. It's the only thing you've been focusing on. So bad splits, bad workout, bad wattages, doom and gloom until the next good workout comes. But then you question that because you're like, well, I only had one good workout and three of them this week were really bad. So am I really progressing? And this constant you know, judgment and weight on your shoulders is exhausting. Now you throw into it <laughs> a family and work life. And if you put too much weight on it, now it carries into your family life. Yeah, but my workout today where I put so much time into it, my effort and like what's going on? And you're just sort of not present. You're 50% still at the workout. You're 50% there with your family. You're 50%, you know, it's, you don't want that. And so Part of this athlete mission statement, part of this maximizing the efficient time, the timely, the time you have efficiently is exactly what I think you were just saying. The fact that you can cl close off that workout, I did it to the best of my ability, I had clear objectives, I did it with intentions, then I can move on. Now, I did that really well. I get the dopamine hit of it, of successfully completing that and checking that box. It's green on training peaks. I can move on, done, clear my mind. My focus and my energy is applied to the next thing versus carrying a load with me throughout the day. That's such a profound point. I'm wondering if that attitude would be wise to be applied to other areas of life. A lot of procrastination comes, I think, from building something up into something much bigger than it is. We're talking about the stress and the, uh, the anxiety, but when you tear something down to its nuts and bolts, it's not a big deal, right? We're talking about running. We're talking about Excel spreadsheets. None of these things are curing cancer, right? We're not race car driving. <laughs> no one's going to die. Going back to the beginning of the conversation where we were talking about the challenge week, or maybe it was the podcast that I was literally just editing. It's all a blur, but we were talking about one of the outcomes I experienced during challenge week is the volume on every workout just got turned down to zero. And the, I have a big workout coming. Oh no, it's gone. It, like training hour run. It's like a one out of 10. It's such a non-event. Yeah. And we go through waves as athletes. We should go through waves as athletes of when that switch gets turned on and when it gets turned off. And no, it's not black and white like a switch, but 
it goes in waves and we should understand that, you know, the six, eight weeks before a major event, for sure, we're adding the focus and the weight and the pursuit of that um, completely differently. Whereas when we're not in that window, we back off and, you know, we allow ourselves to be a lot more relaxed with it. It has nothing to do with your intention. It has to do with um, the microscope we put that workout under and how we analyze it and how we evaluate it and so forth. Um, there's times of year where we just go, how am I progressing versus yesterday? And then there's times of year like, oh my gosh, like I got to really, what's the intention today? How do I want to kick out of this? How is this going to help me for my race in six weeks? And you're turning all that back on. Yeah. So in high level, that's basically all the components of an athlete mission statement. And again, it's an exercise for you to go through in order to understand what it is you want out of this, who you want to be in this journey, how you want to remember yourself from this journey, and the components of support and value that you get out of this. So we have the questions, and they're accessible. We have the, the details of each of the four questions, uh, which rabbit holes to go down to really explore these. Do you have any advice on tactically how to go about this? And the answer might be no. The answer might just be get out your journal and start writing. Mm -hmm. Step one, what's most important? Okay, well, health. Yeah, okay, family. Okay. It might start that simple. You're totally right. But also it's back to what we're saying right in the intro to this. It ties into who I want to be. And as you're asking yourself that question over the next weeks, and how it keeps triggering something, you want to capture that. And that will create a picture ever so gently of what's important to you, how your values are aligned with this. And that will make this whole exercise of these questions with regards to the athlete mission statement very easy to ask. Because you're already saying, who do I want to be and what's important to me and what are my values and what am I not willing to compromise? Because at the end of the day, that's the most important thing here. What values am I not willing to compromise as I go on this athlete journey? That's what a mission statement is. What values am I not willing to compromise as I go on this journey? Whatever journey it is, athlete journey, corporate you know, leadership journey, my family journey, my husband journey, what values am I not willing to compromise as I go or as I am on this journey? I am not willing to sacrifice the, 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 my family time for training time. That might be one of the values you come across that are quite clear to you. All right, well, now how do I work with that? That's in my athlete mission statement. Simply put, Okay, well, Chris, you know, Saturdays I have to be done at 10, Sundays I have to be done at 9 because I have church at 11. Okay. I always ask, what can you do after church? <laughs> but, you know, at least I'm asking the question. We're starting with a framework on how to go around this. 
and work with this. But at least I know my parameters, my boundaries, and you know yours. And so from there, it makes it way easier to, once again, look back and go, did I maximize the training time I had? Did I not compromise any values? Do I feel proud of who I was then? And does my support team, my family, my friends, my social networks and uh, um, group look at it similarly? You know what? He took on this challenge to climb Everest. Or she decided to hike the Pacific Crest Trail. Or she decided to run Marathon de Sabo. But she did it and yet still didn't compromise any of her values for what's important to her. That journey went according to her standards. The, the journey didn't define who she would become. She defined who she was on the journey. So I'm going to do this exercise and then I'm going to send you my athlete mission statement. And can listeners of the podcast send you their athlete mission statements as well? Of course, of course they can with the expectation that I'm going to continue to push and challenge them to go deeper because that's what we saw on the deeper why exercise as well. You don't really know until you've really explored the why a couple of layers deep, but why do you want to inspire your children? Well, why is that important to you? Well, why um, did you grow up in a household of this and therefore want to do that? Well, okay, why? Why is that important to you? Why is that narrative, that past story um, triggering that for you? And how can we work with that? How can we create tools that that part protecting you can work to your advantage, that we can engage that component and therefore have a contribute to the overall version of yourself so that now you're in alignment and better integrated, that you be stronger and even higher level of performance by working with what used to be anchors holding you back because they were protecting you or, or hidden within you. Compared to the why exercise, which was very open-ended, the structure here is phenomenal. I think these guardrails are going to direct people to really confront these somewhat potentially uncomfortable thoughts and realizations that are so easily sidestepped in the why exercise if somebody's not on board to go there. So thank you for putting this together. This is going to be really fun. Fun, type three fun. <laughs> not fun to do, not fun to talk about. The kind of fun we love. <laughs> As we said in a podcast probably four or five months ago, you know, I love and go by that Goethe quote with, you know, potential. You know, treat a man as he is and he will remain as he is. Treat a man as he could and can be and they will become or he will become what he can be or should be, right? It's just, and that's how I view all this. For you, for the listeners, for my athletes, I never, my children, um, I don't ever settle for just as you are. I believe in who you can be. And you'll become who you can and should be. And should be is an interesting word there that Goethe used, in my opinion, because he also brings out that potential. Who we can be, who we potentially can become. There's that should is 
ties in with obligation and contribution to the greater good. And that's what, again, like we've been saying this whole podcast, that I believe that endurance experiences and training and the journey can help with that. I uh, I guess this is my turn to say thank you, because I've noticed for a very long time that you've believed in me in a very profound way. And it's been really cool. And the way you've done it at first, you know, struck me as very um, counterintuitive, right? Because you don't offer any help. Um, you will help if somebody asks you a question, but you don't tell anyone how to do anything. And I've been reading this book, The Courage to Be Disliked, uh, subtext, subtitle, The Japanese Phenomenon That Shows You How to Change Your Life and Achieve Real Happiness by Ishiro Kishimi and Fumitake Koga. And they have this concept of Adlerian psychology they introduce called um, tasks, right? And they give the example of a parent who sees their kid doing poorly in school, right? Not doing their homework or um, not trying hard, not studying. And a lot of parents would be very bossy and make their kid do it. And then their kid one, will rebel because it's necessary to exert power as an autonomous human being. And two, will disassociate choosing to take action for the rest of their life. And then you have this handicapped kid who is not able to have a healthy relationship between choosing to do something on their own accord and then following through, right? That muscle was never built. And the book does a far better job of explaining this. Uh, it's, it's a narrative format, uh, Socratic format. And uh, so they have this concept of tasks, right? And the, the Adlerian psychologist would say, it is not the task of the parent to make the kid perform the way the parent wants, right? It's the kid's task. And so under this um, philosophy, someone would say to the kid, if you want help, I'm here to help you. And walk away and literally don't project all your expectations your wishes onto the kid. And then the kid is in this really uncomfortable position of being like, okay, do I, do I want to completely screw up at school or do I not want to screw up at school? But there's literally no one telling me I have to do it. I just have support if I want it. And you do that. And until reading this book, I never really understood uh, how you were doing what you were doing. It just seemed like you were kind of distant about it. And then I was realizing, oh, yeah, no, this is literally on purpose. So did I get that right? Um, partially. Part of that, it opens a big <laughs> conversation because, you know, even I would say that that uh, choice with regards to parenting is a tricky one because the adolescent brain doesn't understand future outcomes and consequences that well. And so therefore, <laughs> letting them do what they want, I can't do that with my kids. So we can keep that piece in. <laughs> Because maybe that is a good, different perspective. I understand what you're saying. And what, what, what the way I hear it and the way we've talked about it before, it's the difference between learning and teaching. Learning is your own choices and autonomy and decisions. Teaching is somebody telling you how it is to be done. It, it, with good intentions, teaching a good teacher but again, a good teacher guides you along the path for you to learn and explore and come to the conclusions on your own. 
And that's, that's what I try to say in my coaching from day one too. That's in the intro email to people too. I don't tell you what to do. I bring my experience to your learning situation. And that's the importance. Um, because we're all adults in this case, and we're all choosing to do this on the side. <laughs> you know, if you're a professional, it's a different story. But it also ties into what you and I, you know, not necessarily grovel about in a negative way, but I see it as a positive. And that is when we talk about athletes and, and what they're doing and how they're keeping up or how they're not keeping up, it's only because of that. It's because we believe in what they, if they could just kick to the other side, what they would recognize there mm -hmm. and how they would want that more in their life, that then flips that switch over, turns that page and we keep rolling and momentum keeps building and their fitness and their new normal and their growth and their confidence and their belief all just keeps steamrolling. But when we get stuck there and we never get to that point, it's frustrating to us because, yes. again, it's that belief in them, right? Um, we want more for you. We know that you can benefit from this. We've seen it with hundreds. I've seen it with thousands of other athletes where it's like, oh, my gosh, I still take the lessons that we learned back then and apply them every day because, you know, endurance is such a key ingredient to how I grew. And I want that's what we want. That's, that's what we're looking for. Yeah. And it's hard for us because we see them suffering and we see them not thriving and it's all psychological and patience is hard. You just so badly just want to grab them and be like, please do something, take action. And, and you just kind of have to let them do their, th wow, it's so hard. Yeah. And it's like what we were saying earlier, like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. Me coming into your life for two weeks and, you know, pointing out the things, but that's not the point. Like that's, yeah. that's the lazy way, like learning yeah. and working through that on your own and coming to recognize that, you know, it's, it's mandatory. It's, it's mandatory and it's the only way. Which is fun because it's really hard. It's uh, the opposite of everything else in life, which is engineered for maximum ease and convenience and comfort. And we're literally saying that, yeah, if you want to stop this stupid cycle, uh, assuming you're in the stupid cycle and you know what the cycle is, uh, everyone's smart, they're aware of what's happening, then yeah, it's going to be hard. So God, I don't yeah. know. You kind of just get used to the hard, right? You kind of like it. It's like, oh, this is fun. Well, or you search for it. And then that becomes a different conversation because then we got to walk you off that ledge too because um, the hedonic adaptation there becomes a dangerous game though too. Oof. Well, okay. I can relate to that. So we should uh, talk about that in a future episode. 24-hour uh, cycling challenge, punting that one down the road for another five episodes. <laughs> so yeah. we'll get to it eventually. We will. Emily has an event coming up. Emily's retreat. I want to add some color to it with her first annual women's running Pilates and nutrition retreat. That's going to be in late January, early February. And there's only a few spots for this retreat. And it's at Savannah Resort in Carefree, Arizona, which is gorgeous. 
I definitely uh, would recommend it and highlight it to a lot of our athletes, as well as hopefully some of the listeners, because you get this full attention by an amazing running coach in Julie Stackhouse, and you can look her up or Google her, um, Olympic trials runner and overall pretty awesome running coach. And then you get to do the nutrition and Pilates work with Emily all at this beautiful resort in Arizona in early February. So there's more details that we'll be sending out with the newsletter on that to get the exact daily schedule and so forth. But it's truly something that I would promote for anybody. Well, women. (laughs) Not for you, David. We're talking trail runs. We're talking strength training. We're talking Pilates sessions. We're talking women's physiology focused nutrition discussions, great food there, meditation workshops. There's a spa on site at Savannah, pool time, and you know, just good exchange of thinking for all women. We're still working on the spring camp, which actually, David, you and I are sort of exchanging ideas back and forth on some really fun things we might do with it. And while a traditional triathlon camp has always been well received, we're also thinking about tying it into a lot of the things we talk on the podcast. And that is a morning of training, possibly with an afternoon of mindset work and discussions. And so therefore, having some sort of curriculum around that, or a really challenging, intense (laughs) weekend, sort of an in-person challenge weekend where we do some epic stuff and meet up every evening at the house and discuss and tell epic stories and wake up and do it again. So we're still seeing if we're going to make some changes to that or just stick with what's worked over the years. But those are the some of the ideas that we're throwing around. Am I right? What I'm hearing is a mindset reflection and training camp that happens to have a basis in ultra endurance training as well. And that sounds fun. Yeah. I mean, the beauty of where we are, we can do a 50 mile trail run on trails. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> right. Literally um, all day on Lake Sonoma, the yeah. hardest 50 mile course you'll ever do. We can do a 10 mile swim <laughs> easily. Much more <laughs> reasonable. <laughs> I don't know. 10 miles is, is going to no, take No, that actually long, sounds right? uh, so long. Okay. Cool. Um, and then we have some epic, epic bike rides that are brutally hard um, that some of the riders did last year at the camp that they talk about to this day on how ridiculously steep and crazy. Um, that route was, I put them on 105 miles, but some of the roads were so steep, they felt like getting off their bike. And we're talking strong cyclists here. So there's something for everybody. And so that's what we're thinking about combining. And then that house was awesome, as you remember, with pool and hot tub and the whole thing and big deck, and we could sit out back and just hang out, but also using that afternoon time for a little bit of a group discussion. We did that one day and I think that worked really well. But if we had a purpose and a curriculum to do it, let's say three of the four days, I think that would be very helpful and beneficial as well as um, 
good for me as well to work through all this with those in attendance. Yeah, I think that's the direction we need to go in, partially because that's what's already been informally happening a little bit. We were all gathering around the campfire and one time the microphone for a little bit. So we might as well make it actionable. Yep, I agree. So more to come on that. Thank you for listening. Next episode, we're going to be talking about cross-training, whether it actually does anything, and how to train through the holiday season and the off-season and stay on the path. If you want, you can let us know what you thought, and you can do that right now on your phone. Amazing. You can email us at chris at ampcoaching.com or david at ampcoaching.com, A-I-M-P coaching.com. And I know we're both very curious to hear what is your athlete mission statement? Who do you want to be? So what is this thing we speak of, athlete mission statement?